Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 737. If somebody asks you, you know, whether you can do something, the answer is yes. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Alexander Davidis. Hey, Alexander, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm sure I am and looking forward to it. All right. Great to have you here. Alexander Davidis is the CEO and executive producer at Davidis Film in Bedford Hills, New York. Unique to the industry, Davidis Film is the first company to offer specialized film production services exclusively to the automotive world. His career in the media arts and passion for automobiles has resulted in innovative and artistic concepts, earning him a reputation as a creative visionary. He tells stories about people and their cars that arouse, entertain, and sell. Alexander has produced programming for Discovery and commercial spots for Saatchi and Saatchi. His award-winning productions range from documentaries to HD film, multi-episode TV series, historic racing, and much, much more. So, Alexander, I have told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment to share a little bit more about your career and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Sure. I have been in the film production business for well over 20 years now. And um, sometime around 15 years ago, um, when I was living in England, I was introduced to historic racing. And um, as a visual person, I was very much excited. And I couldn't believe that there were no people with cameras constantly and shooting everything. So I started to do that. First, I took um, photographs um, uh, at the time. The website, which is now very big, um, um, ClassicDriver.com, started out. And, you know, I published a lot of stuff on there. And that eventually led into, you know, moving pictures as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I used to race vintage cars. I love vintage racing. I've been to so many events. And that's one of the things that drew me to what you're doing. Because I used to think the same thing. You see all these television shows about builds and so forth. But where are the vintage racing shows? I mean, it's so much more exciting. I'm really happy that you're doing it. And we're going to learn a lot more about you as we move through your automotive journey. But first, I always like to start with a success quote. This is some kind of a a saying or a mantra that has a meaning for you. And it's a nice way to get the film reels moving or the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, Alexander, take the wheel. There are a couple of quotes which come to mind, um, which all contribute in the long run, I guess, to, you know, success. Uh, one, I was told, I don't know by who, a long time ago when I was still studying, and that said, like, you know, half of the success is to show up. And um, I think this is still important. I mean, I, this is really to, like, be there and be ready and, you know, be willing and open-minded to, like, whatever somebody brings to you and, um, you know, be enthusiastic about it. I think that's a very big part. Uh, another thing which I um, read in some other interview, also I don't remember the source anymore, but that kind of really stuck with me, especially when I came from Europe here to New York and started out in film production. If somebody asks you, you know, whether you can do something, the answer is yes. You know, your two quotes are awesome and it, for two reasons. The quote about if someone asks you something, if you can do it, just say yes, reminds me of uh, a great quote. And I mentioned it before by um, oh, the founder of Virgin, uh, Richard Branson. And uh, he has a great quote about uh, if you have an opportunity, say yes and then figure out how to do it later. That's exactly it, you know, and chances you you can. So 
Yeah. There you go. Yeah, you can figure it out. And your first quote reminds me of my father. Uh, he came from hardworking farm stock, uh, grew up in Texas on a farm. And he used to tell me, get to work before your boss is there and stay until after your boss leaves. Be ready to work when you get to work. And uh, yeah, it served me well throughout all these years. Simple concepts, right? It's it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, when I started here in New York, um, I worked for a film production company, and um, you know, I was I had like no means, nothing, very little money, and I was like, I had a situation where I shared a room with some friend of a friend of a friend, and then somehow this living opportunity fell through, and the production company was in, in Chelsea and had a loft. And, um, you know, I called, uh, my, my employer at that time and said like, listen, you know, my situation here fell through and they were like, it, it was a, I started out with an internship, so they didn't pay me. So I said like, I need a place to stay. And they said like, well, you can stay at the loft, you know, in the back, there's like a, you know, futon to flip out. There's a bathroom you can use, you can, you know, if you want. So I actually moved into the office and stayed there. And that resulted exactly in that situation that I obviously was there before everybody else and after right. everybody else. And we dealt with Europe and we dealt with L.A. So there were four calls early in the morning and late in the evening. Yeah. And after a little while, you know, whenever something was going on and somebody else got a call, then I said, like, well, just ask Alexander. I discussed it with him like this morning or last night or right. something. Yeah. And um, I kind of like made myself that way, um, you know, unreplaceable. Indispensable. Absolutely. Yeah, that worked out pretty darn well. Well, let's go back in time a little bit. I'd love for you to share a story that instigated your passion for cars. I know you're a car guy and you've been a car guy for a long time. Is there a moment in your life when you realized, I am a car guy for sure? Well, I think with most car guys, it started, the programming started somehow in early childhood. And um, that was the same thing for me. Um, I don't know. I was very young before school age maybe five, four, five, something like that. And I remember that our dad liked the Volvo P1800. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, he would like, um, I think he had an Amazon at that time. And, um, you know, he would offer us uh, money, 50 pfennigs, German pfennigs, which is like 50 cents. So like if we spot one, you know, if we spot one in the street and we'll point it out to him, he'll give us the money. And uh, one day I'm at home and I'm looking out of the window at home and there pulls a beautiful red P1800 right in front of the house and parks like smack under the window. And I'm thinking, damn, you know, that dad's not here. I would like get the money right now, you know. Yeah. And the door opens and my dad gets out. Oh, cool. And I remember how how happy I was that he, you know, kind of like fulfilled his own dreams that he kind of like went for this and, and, and got himself this car and he was like so happy and I was I was genuinely happy for him you know I thought like this is great that he just did this yeah and I think that was that was a, a part and then we had like a lot of trips like was imagine this was a family of four I mean two little kids but still it was a p1800 from Germany all the way to south of France you know driving and um <laughs> and back then people knew how to pack light yeah. yeah. Oh, what so fun. I think, that's, I think that's how the whole thing kind of started. It sounds like it. So every morning you could just point to the driveway and say, hey, dad, give me my 50 cents. Yeah, the deal <laughs> was kind of true after he bought the car. Yeah, absolutely. Those are really beautiful little cars and you don't see them around very much. I know they were very prone to rusting away. And I used to work with a guy that loved those cars and he bought several of them. But every one he bought was so rusted that literally every time he drove it, pieces would fall off the car. You know, kind of strange for a Swedish car, you know, it 
which would like live mostly in snow. So well, it was you know back in those days pre galvanization bodies and things. But uh, I have another friend who has one that he just restored, and it's just a beautiful car. I love the design. So very nice, very nice. Well. Alexander, I want to talk a little bit about a huge challenge or a big failure that you face along the way. You're an entrepreneur, so that means life is a bit of a roller coaster ride, or it can be with a career. So take us to a, a kind of a painful place, kind of walk us through that. But more importantly, what did that experience teach you and what did you learn from it so you could move forward? Well, I've been a freelancer most of my life. So, you know, which is, you know, in a freelancer life is kind of like prone to ups and downs all the time. You know, at some point you'll have get great jobs and great projects in and you're busy with them for some time and everything runs great and fantastic. And then there are stretches where nothing happens and you really don't know how this is going to go and going to conclude at some point. Right. So, you know, so for me, I, I kind of like be, how to say that, like, you know, I'm through living that life. I got into a habit to to deal with those ups and downs all the time. Mm hmm. And while you never get completely used to it, I mean, you probably are probably more thick skin to it than somebody who has like a normal office job and, you know, faces, a, you know, being let go of or something like that. However, the, I think the scariest part was, though, to decide to, you know, create this company, which we have that, which we have now, and really kind of like go out all the way and like put my whole own money into it. Right. And invest it into it and grow it. And it's difficult. It's difficult to grow a new company, you know? Oh, yeah. The way I go about it is like, and I don't want to like dwell too much in, in, in pretty quotes, but another friend of mine said to me once, you know, if at the end of your life, you got up one more time than you fell down, you had a successful life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? And Absolutely. so you never know when that is. So all you need to keep doing is like, like keep getting up and like keep going on and like you know keep keep moving and um life never like gets bad you know for the rest of it it's there, there are always phases there's right. this like you know they're good at good times and bad times and you just sometimes have to sit them out and like you know go through it and eventually something's going to turn and you'll start something new Absolutely. Well, the big takeaway I hear from this, and I've heard this from many of my guests because most of my guests are business owners, but one comes to mind, uh, Adam Carolla, who's a famous name in comedy. He was a podcaster before podcasting was even people even knew what it was. He's obviously involved in film because he's one of the actors and he's got a new TV show now. But he said something very similar, which is the takeaway for me from your comment. He said, every morning I just get up and start moving my feet. Because mm -hmm. in, in his business, you never know when it will all end. When you're yesterday's star and today you're a nobody. Nobody likes you anymore. So, yeah, I think that's my takeaway. And would that be your advice for people who are kind of timid about starting their own thing is don't be afraid. And just if things aren't going the way you plan, just keep moving forward. Keep falling forward if you're going to fall. Yeah, and if you if you pick if you pick a, a goal and that might be like a certain profession you're in or a certain you know, certain direction even if you where you wanna go, just like hold on to it. Like just keep going in that direction, you know, keep keep going where I mean be be true to yourself. It's easier said than done. And you know, like sometimes there are like economical circumstances which makes all that hard. But 
if you like just don't let it out of your sight and like just keep pursuing it eventually something's gonna you know break for you absolutely absolutely great inspiration let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum i'd love for you to share what i call a career aha moment when something occurred that caused you to go down a different path or a new path that's worked out really well for you and tell us what that aha moment was and how it turned into a success yeah i think i i think it was well it was twofold it was First, when I got introduced to uh, vintage racing in, in England, and I remember it was like, you know, through the Aston Martin Owners Club, and I was like, I remember I was a little bit apprehensive to go because I figured there would be all these, you know, very wealthy British old boys, you know, with their cars. <laughs> fall, fall, fall. And, and I don't know, I, I wasn't sure if I would be like into this, you know, but when I got there, it was absolutely not like that. It was like there were people from all walks of life, all different kinds of social levels and backgrounds and stuff and they all had this common denominator that they loved the cars and went out racing and it was just awesome to like you know be around them and look look at this and the visuals the sound the smell it was just incredible so that was like that was a i was like okay there are people who are doing this this is awesome you know so that kind of like piqued my interest into this to begin with and then there was a uh, the first in 2002 there was the first classic le, le mans classique Oh, the, the, yes. the classic version of the 24 hours right and um i was like a couple of people like the the aston martin work service department they'll they usually have an event for the real limo they had like a farmhouse which they rented all year round to then only on that weekend you know have guests there from aston martin and and you know have that weekend and since they had that farmhouse rented all year round when uh, Le Mans classic happened they um called me up and said, like, listen, we're going to go with a couple of people just like, you know, from from the work service department, mechanics and stuff, you know. And um, but if you want to come, you know, you're welcome to. And I had just helped a friend of mine, another filmmaker, to shoot a music video. And um, he had used these old, you know, Bolex wind up cameras from the 50s. Right. And I had just like looked at the footage, you know, which the old cameras combined with modern film stock looked just fantastic. And so I called him up and said, like, listen, do you, you have your cameras? Should we like just get some film stock and you want to come with me? You know, we I, we can go there. We'll have to like stay at that farmhouse and kind of like, you know, it's like very all very basic and stuff, right. you know. And he's like, yeah, great. So we went there and we ran around and, and the people from work service department made sure we had like passes to go everywhere in the pits and everywhere. And so we shot just like a almost random piece i mean we just like you know had two cameras and we just like filmed everywhere and so forth and later on we put like a you know kind of like a 10 minute i call it experimental racing music video short film <laughs> very cool very cool <laughs> and uh, we put this together just for the for the fun of it just for for ourselves right then i showed it to a couple of people and car people obviously and everybody was super into it and wanted copies and um, now I had to go to Patrick Peter, the organizer of um, the Le Mans Classic, and ask him for permission because it was his intellectual property, you know, like the right. whole event. And I hadn't right. asked anybody before. And I said, like, listen, you know, I came there. We did this for fun. Now people want it. I would I'd seek your permission to, you know, if I can sell this. And he says, well, send it over and let me take a look at it. And then after he looked at it, he was ecstatic. And he said, we've never seen anything like that. And um, we, we love that. And, um, you know, just make sure you send us a box of 50 DVDs when you're done and knock yourself out. And then, um, you know, after that, he, you know, wanted to meet with me. And we met like a little bit later at uh, Retromobile and discussed to like shooting a full fledged documentary, which then took a couple of years to take off. But eventually 
out of this came what became the GT Racer TV series, which we you know we also shot there and in different places. And wow. so like the aha moment was when when that piece of film was ready and everybody was just even though it was a ten minute film, it didn't really have too much story. You know, it was like more the atmosphere and you know, and people were just loving it. And I thought like, wow, there's something there. Oh yeah, I think vintage racing and cars in general are an equalizer for people. When you get together with a group of car people, you can have billionaires and the guy who trailers his own car or drives his own car to the track and races it because he's on a shoestring budget. But it brings everybody together, and it doesn't really matter what people have or what, other than a wealthy man might have multiple cars and really cool cars. But we're all just car fans, you know. There's no the, no class division that occurs. I, th- I think you nailed it exactly. That's that's exactly it. That's what I experienced. And, you know, having shot on so many racing events around the world, this is also true in every country, even though there are cultural differences, like, you know, from the events from country to country. Right. In general, that what you just described is exactly true. Yeah. You know, they also have to all again, they all have to show up on the track to be re- able to race against each other. Right. So if they didn't like each other, then there wouldn't be enough people to race each other. So, right. you know, that's and I also feel that like a lot of the, you know, more, you know, wealthy car owners and racers that they'll enjoy having a space where they can they hair let their hair down, so to speak. Right. They don't have to have their guard up in a wealthy boardroom, but they can just like chat with some other mechanics about the right. performance of a carburetor. And that's it. Yeah. And nobody's bothering him about anything else, and that's all he wants to do. Yeah. And um, that gives a little, gives a lot of freedom to, you know, um, something he normally wouldn't have, maybe. Exactly right. Yeah, I've experienced the same thing. And I'm happy to hear that you see that around the world, that we're all kind of just the same. Very cool. Well, let's talk about a proudest career moment. I would assume you've had many, but is there one in particular that stands out for you? Well, it's the GT Racer series was grew bigger and bigger, which was nice. And, you know, after doing some episodes, then, you know, it was renewed and it went back from one, you know, um, um, network to another one. And then, you know, like I I sold the the very first trailer to Discovery. Then there came another network in, which doesn't exist anymore. They were called Treasure HD, which commissioned a number of them. And then they folded. And then I came back to Discovery. And they, when they, when they ran it, it was, it was really nice just to not that I'm not that I'm a sucker for this, but it is nice to get recognition when you go to places and people say like, oh, "You did this show," and like everybody's seen it, and you're like yeah. surprised that you don't realize like how many people have seen it and into it. And especially in the beginning when I was selling the show, I got like a lot of pushback from from networks and distributors because they said, "Oh, this is very niche. This is only it only interests a few people who are doing this." But that's not true. I mean, anybody who's into cars loves to see that because there's so much, you know, the cars are just so beautiful and then anybody can understand it, not only the people who are racing them. So it has a mass appeal. And I always knew that, and and it was very difficult in the beginning to sell the show. But like then, as it's over the years got like you know distributed in, in more and more places and around the world, to like have people come back and and telling me you know that they've seen it, or uh, also other racers which I used, you know, they, they would like come to me and they said like this is the weirdest thing, you know, I'm like over there halfway around the world, and somebody comes like oh you heard this car and drove this, and it's like how did where did the people know me from? And right. it's the show, absolutely. You know? Yeah. And um and that is very gratifying that 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 you'll know that you'll make ha- people happy with it. 
Well, if uh, the next time one of those guys says, well, this is very niche, just have them go to the Monterey Historics or Goodwood or the uh, Historic Le Mans or Monaco Historic Races and say, look at all the people that showed up to watch these old cars. It's, this is a big deal. That's why I opened the company, because I think there is a real move towards this whole genre. You know, this is like, you know, car culture becomes bigger and bigger as a as a thing. And um, it, it makes sense. Cars, you know, speak to so many senses. There are so many levels of experience you can have with it. So yeah, I understand it. Very cool. Well, let's talk about your first really special car. Let's go way back in time. That first car that you got that you went, oh, man, I finally have this thing and maybe share a memory you have with that vehicle. Um, yeah, that's easy because like I didn't have so many great cars, but the one totally stuck out, which was also when I lived in England, I um, bought a um, 1989 Aston Martin VH Vantage. Oh, nice. And that was really nice. That was a beautiful car, you know, all black interior and Cumberland gray, very business-like looking. You know, it has a big front spoiler, right. usually. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a special version, um, which is called the POW version, Prince of Wales, who ordered one convertible and had, like, all the spoilers removed and had it, like, just looked like as a normal, normal V8. Of course, it doesn't because it's, like, wider and lower, so you can see that it sits there somewhere, you know, brutal than the normal car, even though it has no spoilers. And I've always liked that look. And then, thankfully, at some point uh, in London, while I was sitting in a parking bay like a, another um, um, person backed up into my car, you know, and it was uh, her fault, the accident, damaged the, the, the front and the spoiler and all of that, and that yeah. had to be redone. It wasn't my money because it was my fault. <laughs> so, you know, I asked them at the at the um, work service to change this into a um, um, POW spoiler, so like take the spoiler off, right. which is a little bit of a of a big deal because you'll have to like reshape the, the front fenders. Oh, you know, okay. If, and I remember that at the end, at the beginning, they wanted to talk me out of it. And they said, like, oh, are you sure you want to do this? And this is like, you know, really the, the advantage should look this way and so forth. And so now, but I was like insisting. And I remember when I picked up the car, you know, all the people who worked on it came out and they'll congratulated me and said like, we didn't think this was right at the beginning. It's so right. <laughs> you know, awesome. we all love it. It just looks absolutely amazing. Yeah. And um, to my knowledge, it's, you know, at the time, it was the only the only Vantage, which the only Vantage saloon, which was converted this way. Nice. And that car was just absolutely spectacular. It was just and I, I drove many times. I think I drove it about 50,000 miles all through Europe. Wow. So I bought a mileage on it. And, um, you know, I went many times to Germany. And at the time, that was like so the, like the late nineties. Uh -huh. Like most of the German cars, even though the even the big ones, like the you know, top of the line brand new Mercedes or BMWs, they were all electronically limited to like two hundred and fifty kilometers, which is like one hundred and fifty miles. Right. And um, you know, it was always the same fun on the on the autobahn. You know, when you like go on the left side and you go really fast and you have like one of those big BMWs or Mercedes in front of you and they see you in the in the in the mirror and they look. It's kind of like an eighties, maybe even seventies car. They can right. recognize, so yeah. they think like, no way, you know. Yeah. And they're kind of like, and then at one hundred and fifty miles, it's finished for them. And <laughs> yes. you sit behind them and kind of like go oh, like this, you know, <laughs> and. Yeah. They just cannot believe it, and that was that was my favorite thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I spent some time on the autobahn in Germany, especially back in the the nineties when uh, 
things were limited and every once in a while somebody would go by you and go, whoa, what's he got under the hood of that thing? So, ah, uh, fantastic. Well, about cars that were, how about that seller's remorse story? Is there a car you've let go that you really re- wish you had back? Is that the one? That's the one. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. At I, some point, I had to make a decision. That was like one of those moments where you said, like, you know, where I had to make a decision, you know, am I more into cars or more into film? And my career came first, and I needed money for the career, so I had to sell the car and put it into my film business. I understand. It was like, okay, where are the priorities here, you know? But, um, yeah, yeah that, was, that was definitely the car. Well, great memories. That's absolutely for sure. Well, speaking about your film career, I'd love for you to share what has you really excited and fired up today. What are you working on right now that you can share with us that uh, we can look forward to? Well, I'm, um, we're focusing, we do like a lot of things and, you know, we're working for, you know, position to like do work for commercials, for car production companies and so forth, um, and other related businesses we did, you know, for auctions, racetracks and so forth. But, you know, a real focus is, you know, to, to do programming. And um, there is a lot of stuff going on um, in that field, but also the, the, the spectrum of the media got wider, so there's more possibilities to do that. And I find, you know, even though there's a lot of program out there, there's very little which interests me. Um, a lot of the shows are very much the same, and um, there there is not much, you know, authenticity to it, so to speak. You know, like a lot of a lot of the shows have like a certain formula. It's a certain certain shop which like either you know gets crappy cars and makes them fine again, or gets <laughs> yeah. cars and makes them show ready again or gets other nice cars and you know tunes them or pimps them up somewhere like it's it's a lot a lot of that stuff out there yep. and i know where that is from the business it's called um proprietary assets so it means if you have an idea and at the center of the idea is a particular shop or outfit mm-hmm. then nobody can steal this because you'll have the access to them and that's why a lot of shows are like that i see for me in this world are so many visionary people and so many driven people, and I would love to like tell more stories about those. You know, people who moved something, people who came up with special designs or with you know special technology, which like did something and and changed the car world and brought it forward and kind of like you know created iconic cars or like still today are creating iconic cars. You know, cars are great and fantastic and can give you a lot of pleasure and in, in, in many on many many levels. But it's always people that are behind there. Yes. And those stories I find fascinating. And and this is what we're making concepts for, you know, to tell some more of those stories to like, you know, being more authentic to what's going on. And it's the the the, the stories are endless. There's like more to it than just like a formula of a shop which like kinda, you know, kinda does something with cars and then next show they do the same with the next car. I agree with you. I'm excited to hear that because in many ways it's a lot of what Cars Yeah is all about. I'm interviewing what I call inspiring automotive enthusiasts, people who've wrapped their passion for cars into their careers. We're sharing that with our listening audience right now. We've got listeners in 80 countries around the world and thousands of people listening every day to share these stories. So bringing a visual piece to that is very exciting in my mind as well. So I look forward to what you come up with next because, yeah, it all comes back to the same thing with every guest I talk to. It's the cars are the medium, but it's about the people around the cars that are really the interesting story. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Alexander. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be? And more importantly, why? 
Well, I'm again like uh, it's like almost to the point of being boring now a little bit at this point <laughs> at this point. But I probably would like to be a you know Boston V8. The thing is, for a lot of people, I think, and and for me, it was certainly that cars are also can be extension of your personality. You yes. know, you're drawn to certain cars because they all represent things aspects like not how you necessarily are but how you would like to see yourself or mm. what you how you would like to be you know how yes. certain qualities and you know the com- the combination of having kind of like authority on the road but at the same time being understated you know certain people who are not into cars would like just overlook the car if it like parks on the side of the road you know like the the sophistication of it you know how it's put together with attention to detail and a lot of artistry Right. You know, combined to bring it all together. This was all. This were all aspects which really fascinate me. I mean, I like a, a lot of Aston Martins, and a lot of people like the older ones better. And you know, some of the brand new ones are you know very beautiful too. Right. But somehow, for me, this was also be- even before that car. You know, I even as an European, which you know where there, where you find like lots of beautiful european cars from the you know 50s and 60s and 70s i always had like a weak spot for muscle cars ah okay and um you know big coupes you know big v8s in the front you know like nice grunt nice sound you know big v8 sound and so forth um you know enough room to put like you know four people in there you know even maybe not like perfectly comfortable but you know for some stretches only two doors you know, I'm a big guy. I'm like, you know, almost six foot six. So, you know, I, I just, I, I don't fit in an E-type, you know, it's like just my passport. <laughs> yeah. Even though I love it, but I can't drive it. So, you know, it's kind of like immediately out. So all that, in my mind, uh, Aston V8 is a muscle car. And especially the Vantage. The Vantage is a real muscle car. But it's like kind of in a more elegant expression of it you know it's like nicer materials and nicer paint and nice interior but kind of like a, a, a muscle car in a nice suit absolutely no the i see what you mean the vantage does have that muscle car look to it it's uh it's akin to the cars like the iso grifo mm-hmm. uh, which has that stance of course american muscle under the hood yep. but uh has that feel to it so very nicely put i think that's a good fit for you as you're saying that, I real now I realize also why I always have a had a weak spot for those um, Italian American hybrids. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I always love those two. Yeah. Yeah, they have that stance for sure. Well, Alexander, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom-tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. 
You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. All right, Alexander, we are back and we're entering the last lap and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? I think if it comes to classics, they need to be driven. I know. You know, it's a shame. Every classic car I've ever bought from somebody who didn't drive it, I always end up spending a lot of time and money getting it back up to roadworthiness. The car that's, looked beautiful, right. but the tires are rotting from the inside out because they've you know, been sitting there flat spotted or all the hoses or tubings had to be resealed and everything. So yeah, get them out and drive them. No garage queens here at cars. Yeah. The other thing is when you sell a car that you didn't drive much, you kind of look at it, drive away and you go, I saved it for that guy. Why did I do that? I should have driven it more. I should have enjoyed it more. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? It has to do with creativity. And it's very difficult to come up with something completely new. I mean, even in the creative field, everybody gets inspired by something. You'll pick up something you like. You'll transform this into something else. Most of the time, I try to really start with a blank page in order to like force myself to have an original thought. Mm-hmm. about something yeah and that is difficult but it's it's easier to look and say like oh you know this is nice we should do a version of this right you know or maybe the version of this combined with the version of this you hear that in in in, in hollywood speak all the time you oh, know yeah. it's kind of like this movie meets this movie that's what you'll have to think <laughs> about it yeah. it's like okay process to force yourself to come to something new which is not easy but it's the more you do it the the, the, the less fear you have of it Yeah, that blank white page is scary sometimes, that's for sure, whether you're a writer, an artist, or into film, whatever it might be, and a painter. Now, about a resource, there's lots of great resources out there, but is there one that you'd like to share with the Cars Yeah listeners? Well, I have to say that in my career, I I am very grateful for the existence of the Aston Martin Owners Club. They supported me throughout my various endeavors to like do any kind of filming whatever it was and then and it started with the gt racer series they would always support me you know and not only it was like not only the aston martin owners club but the whole aston martin scene also work service department right you know they were always willing to kind of like make a contact call somebody up you know give a recommendation you know help me to like get in there help me to speak with this person and all together that really contributed 
for me being able to do what I do today. Nice. And so that goes a little bit further than just cars, you know, but it, it, it definitely has to do with it. And, and the Aston Martin Owners Club is, is a great organization. It's worldwide. It has tons of knowledge oh, yeah. about all kinds of things, you know, and um, very friendly. And um, whether you'll have an Aston or not, you can be a member also without a car. It's, it's, a, it's a great community to be in. There you go. Back to the people, just like we were saying before. Now, if you could have a drink with someone in the automotive industry, either living or deceased, who would it be? It didn't originate in the automotive industry, but certainly became a big figure at the end. Uh, it would be Paul Newman. Mm, very, very cool. Also, somebody who had a passion for film and cars and mixed both together and, you know, was very active in, in both. And um, I think it would be great to, like, talk to him about Cars, cars, racing, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. That's what he loved to talk about. Yeah, one of my past guests, Matt D'Andrea, was involved in that documentary film that was produced about him, uh, which is very interesting to learn about him from the other side of the acting side, much like Steve McQueen. Uh, his son yeah. Chad was a guest on my show, and they did a documentary on him about the making of the movie Le Mans, and to learn kind of the backside of somebody and how they didn't like talking about their acting career. They just want to talk about cars and racing. Exactly. Diehard racer. Now, about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy? Clement Tusky. Oh, uh, yes. Clement Tusky. Photographer. Yes. Photographer, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. He uh, made a huge photo book, Racing of the 60s, something like that. A huge coffee table book. Yeah, that book is titled Clement Tusky, Master Motorsports Photographer by Paul Parker. That, I think, is one of the most spectacular books I've seen. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. I have five of his uh, prints uh, in my home here. They were all taken uh, at Le Mans different times, uh, back when it wasn't so fancy, and uh, the teams would just rent some of these little garage to work on their cars. They'd be on the side of a house or a building or something. And right. these are from the 50s, and little boys leaning against the race car, looking in at the engine, and just some beautifully, uh, just everything about them really Really wonderful stuff. Great, great recommendation. There's also a, a website where you can go and buy those old prints, too. All right, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car today you want. Any car in the world. Money's no object. But you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. You're going to have to keep it and drive it and enjoy it. What would it be and why? On the part of being boring, I mean, and you see how much I regret having to sell that car at some point. Right. It probably would be a V advantage again. This time, you know, it would be, you know, at the six points, it would have the 6.3 liter and it would probably have the steering on the left side rather than the right. But other than that, I could live with that car forever. It's like, you know, there are other cars out there. You know, I'm, I've always been a big fan of, a, you know, McLaren F1 or, you know, some other beautiful older 60s, you know, Boston's Ferraris. But you can't really, you, all, you almost can't use them anymore. You know, you can't right. drive them and park them anywhere. That car, I, I drove everywhere. And I left it in the wildest neighborhoods and nothing ever happened to it. Like, not at all. It's like there was a certain respect which came from it, which you know, nobody would harm it, you know, just on principle. And um, I would take that car back, no problem. What color would you like yours to be? Same as you had, the gray or... Um, yeah, that's, 
it's like the Cumberland gray is not it's it's a, it's a kind of like a brown gray mm-hmm. so it, and it changes you know with how it looks outside it can be very stu- steely blue but like you know it can right. also be like very brown it's, it's a very beautiful color and I like the you know black interior it, it was it was just every second of it I enjoyed it <laughs> well that shouldn't be too hard for me to find you one of those so I'll start shopping as soon as I can and get that back to you beautiful beautiful you'll be car. surprised they're, they're not so easy anymore hard to find oh, okay times change they're like don't change hands so much anymore especially if you want to find a left hand that's going to be hard you know like at the end from you know from the last year they're like just probably like only a handful have been built all right well i'll get to work for you how's that sound thank you very much (laughs) i appreciate it i respect your email at any time okay okay i'll try since we're on opposite ends of the coast i might have to drive it for you all the way back to the east coast i think we'll have a fun road trip that's for sure Alexander, you've taken me on an awesome ride today, and I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed getting to know you better. And I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey, your film journey, with me and the Cars yeah audience. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you head off into the sunset in that Aston Martin Vantage, the 6.3 liter with a left-hand drive, of course? That would be, again, a quote. I'm not sure if it was Immanuel Kant who said it or somebody else. I think it was Immanuel Kant. And it's like there are way, two ways to become truly happy in life. It's either you make your profession your passion or you make your passion your profession. <laughs> yes, very simple, very clean. It's exactly what Cars yeah is all about. Wise words from a guy who's walking his talk. And what's the best way for our listeners to follow along, learn more about your business and uh, find out what you're doing? Um, yeah, please uh, look us up at davidasfilm.com. Um, you can read what we do. You can see our teams. You can see um, our films. Uh, we have our, also have more films on Vimeo, also under Davidas Film. And, um, you know, just keep in touch with us there. On the websites are links to our, you know, Facebook and other social media. So come check us out and see what we do and um, call us up and let us do a film for you. Absolutely. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to all these great resources that Alexander shared on his show notes page at carsyacom slash Alexander Davidas. Last name is spelled D-A-V-I-D-I-S. Check out his website. Check out these films if you haven't seen them. I would guess most of you car people have. You're going to be enthralled. You're going to be excited. Really, really cool stuff they're creating there at Davidas Film. Alexander, thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the Cars Yell listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Okay. Thank you very much for having me. It was a great pleasure to talk to you. Um, just wanted to point out that our GT Racer TV series is on Amazon Prime, so everybody should check it out there. Uh, it's still running and seems to be liked. And um, again, it was it was a great talk, and I appreciate that you had me on here. Oh, absolutely. And uh, yeah, Amazon Prime, your GT show, that's where I enjoy it. So uh, yeah, check it out. Thank you, Alexander. You take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? to design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, 
you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!